the Lord has worked in my heart this weekend, and I want to bring to you, I believe the Lord, the Lord gave me this message about six months ago, and um, I have not preached it, obviously, I wouldn't be preaching it again, but um, the Lord has brought it back to my attention. I keep things in my notes, just and, and, and the Lord brings things back to my attention that He's brought to my mind before. And this is what the Lord has brought back to my mind. 2 Kings chapter number 2. 2 Kings chapter number 2. I need your attention this morning. And uh, I know everybody's paying attention. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not calling anybody in specifics out. So there's no need to shake heads right now. But 2 Kings chapter number 2. That's where we're going to get our point at. And that's where we're going to try to find our good place. Okay. And I just need your attention this morning. Just to, just to simply... Um, I really, really, really got, I'm, I'm going to preach to you my heart this morning, and I mean that. I always preach to you what I believe the Lord wants, but man, this is near and dear to my heart this morning, and uh, I really want to bring it to your attention according to the scriptures, okay? Everybody all right this morning? I, I'm not, I promise you, I promise you, everything's good. We're just focusing on what the Lord wants this morning and have the liberty to preach. He hasn't given us the... Um, the ability to preach this just yet, but I want to bring up some attention to some verses in Second Kings chapter number two. We heard messages out of Kings this week, and uh, just kind of brought it back in my mind. The Bible says in verse one. Okay, you don't have to stand. We're going to read eighteen verses. But the Bible says, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven. By a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Everybody heard that, right? And so we're very clear on what is taking place here. We know what's going on. Okay, and Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. There's two places. There's Gilgal. There's Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. They did. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth unto Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. That's the third place. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it, and hold ye your peace. So we noticed so far in the reading that there are sons of the prophet that have become in Bethel. There are sons of the prophet that were in Jericho. Is that not correct? Okay. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. This is the fourth and the last place. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Notice this. And fifty men of the sons of the prophet went and stood to view afar off. And they too went, stood by Jordan. There's fifty men standing afar off. There's two at the bank. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither and so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were over, gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot, of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more 
And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. <laughs> I heard a preacher preach one time. There are some things you can take to the bank. And thank the Lord, Brother Travis Parker preached that. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? You know that he, he, he learned that from the man of God. And when he had hurt, also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, here they are again, which were to view at Jericho, saw him. These are the 50 men. Doest, uh, saw him. They said the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. They were not unfamiliar with that spirit. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And they said unto him, Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master, lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord hath taken him up, and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not sin. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Sin. They wouldn't listen to the man of God. He just seen him go up in a chariot of fire. But they didn't have no discernment to deceive that. They sent therefore fifty men, and they sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, I told you so. That's pretty much what he said. Did I not say unto you, go not? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need your help this morning. And I pray, God, that you would display my heart to these people this morning as I preach this message. I love you, praise you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this morning I want to give you something that is not going to be my typical preaching style. Okay, it's not going to be an alliterated, it's going to be alliterated, but it's not going to be just some expositor verse-by-verse study of these verses. It's going to be a more topical thing. But I want to give you what the Lord has given me this morning, okay? I believe one of the biggest problems, not necessarily with this church, but with many churches today, is that of comfort. We live in a place of comfort. Some of you in here are probably living in comfort this morning. We live in comfort. And I wouldn't at all say that we have a huge problem with it here, at any way, shape, or form. But I believe that there is a sense of it, okay? But however, many people today live their entire life and they never achieve one single goal that they have for the Lord. They never achieve one goal that they have for the Lord. They go through every day just going on what's easiest in this life. I know that the sound of my voice doesn't make me sound compassionate or anything along those lines, but I want you to know this morning, I'm going to give you this with a heart of love, and I want you to hear every word of it, because there's a very important principle that the Lord breaks out in these verses. Okay, a lot of people today do not say things in boldness. They do not say things with gumption or any unction of the Holy Spirit at all, but rather just what they think they know. They're satisfied, this church... Age is satisfied. You look in the church of Laodiceans. They live the same way. This church is, this, this, the church age here is satisfied and they're comfortable and they're complacent and they fall into a state of their own fleshly desires. And God says in Revelation that He would rather spew them out of their mouth because it makes them sick. It's lukewarm. And, and so, so, but... People are satisfied today with how they're living their life for the Lord. They're satisfied and people live in a life that's good enough. A good enough life. And, and, but, but is it good enough? 
And I read a quote one time that says, Good enough isn't good enough if it can be better. And better isn't good enough if it can be best. And that's the truth. And now I'd like to ask you a question this morning, each one of you. Is what you're doing for Christ enough? Could you do better for Christ? He's already given us us everything that we need to accomplish the task that's at hand. Everybody understands that, right? He's given us everything we need to accomplish every task. We have enough people in three churches in this county to reach the entire world with the gospel. Understand that? Three churches in this county could reach the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seriously. The studies have been done. There's one church in this county that could reach the gospel because they're big enough. One church. I'm telling you, the truth is, friend, is that we limit God more than we think we do. You and I limit God because, essentially, it's all because of what we desire. It's true. You and I both know that we desire working a regular life job and attaining the money that it receives than we would to go to the foreign field and tell people about Jesus. You and I both know that. And I'm not talking about just you, okay? Well, this is from the pulpit to the pew. I'm truthful this morning. But you know how many souls are out there that need to be saved? It ought to burden our heart. Because the fact is, there's souls out there that need to be saved. And what happens if, God's, if you say no when God's saying go? You tell me what happens when you say no and God says go according to Scripture. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be some type of belly that's waiting on you in the mouth of a well. Or a big fish, excuse me. It doesn't mean that, there's, that you're going to be swallowed up by a literal big fish and this. But what it does mean is something is going to swallow you up and you're not going to be achieving anything until you repent and get right with God. Then that, that, that same fish will spew you out on the, on the seashore. God said no. I mean, God said go. Jonah said no. Then he went, and a million souls got saved from a seven words that Jonah said out of his mouth. I want you to know this morning that God can use you for the ministering of sharing the gospel. And if you're not administering the gospel, then you are not doing what you ought to be doing as a child of God. It's the truth. Some of you wouldn't go because your husband wouldn't go or your wife wouldn't go. Some of you wouldn't go because of this, because of that, because of this, because of that. But can I tell you the truth this morning? That we all are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. I don't have many notes this morning. But I'm telling you the truth this morning. we got a job to do. You consider yourself part of the church? Are you saved? You're in the body of Christ? You consider yourself part of the church and you need to go. The church is only called out for one purpose and one person alone. One purpose alone. And it is to win souls for Jesus Christ. Commission. Great commission. That's the only reason we have this building here. It's for the great commission. That's according to scripture. The only reason we have this is for the great commission. How many legs does the gospel have? How many feet does the gospel have? How many tongues does the gospel have? How many arms? How many mouths? Don't have any. But you are those. Solemn this morning, I know. But today I'd like to talk to you about 50 men who had... All the opportunity in the world to take. They had every opportunity in the world to make a difference. Yet they did nothing with it for God.
nothing. They spent their time gazing and grumbling rather than gaining. I'd hate to hear I hate for you to hear the word, but not heed the word. They saw it, but they didn't support it. They partook of it by telling him about it. But they did not portray it in their own lives. Can we agree this world needs more preachers? We agree this world needs more missionaries. I'm gonna preach on this thought. What fifty missed, one got. Now that's a big ratio. Is that not is that not like a two percent ratio out of a hundred? That all I'm telling you is that there's fifty men here that Elisha that that fifty men that had every chance that Elisha had, according to the Bible. And this message isn't just put together perfectly, but I believe I'm going to give you what the Lord needs you to hear this morning. And so I want you to notice, number one, the first thing that they had, that Elisha had, was the same master. They had the same master that Elisha had. Now you say, how did they have the same? Well, the sons of the prophets, they followed Elijah. Clearly, everywhere Elijah went, so was the sons of the prophets. Is that not right? There were some that appeared in Jericho. There were some that appeared in Gilgal. There were some that appeared there in the other place, Bethel. But I'm telling you, they had it. Well, if you do any study, you'll simply find uh, um, that Elijah was the leader of the sons of the prophets. That's why throughout the rest of the scripture, when they refer to the prophets, they refer to Elias. Right? Who's the leader of them? And then they knew, they knew in verse 15, they knew, uh, they said the spirit of Elijah rested upon Elisha. They knew Elijah was the leader and there, there are the same sons of the prophets there in chapter 6 and verse 1 uh, where, it, where they come to Elisha and they tell Elisha, Hey, your way is too straight for us. Remember, we heard that down there. Your way is too straight for us. Therefore, they're following around Elisha. Is that right? Because his way was too straight. Just think about this. You and I have the exact same Savior, the exact same Jesus, the exact same Spirit, the exact same God the Father that they had. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so so we have the same Christ that called the twelve disciples uh, and to the commission to drop what they had uh, and follow Him. The same God uh, um, that did those things, the same Christ that commanded the sea uh, um, to be still, uh, and it obeyed Him. Uh, the same Christ uh, that spoke creation into existence that stood uh, on top of nothing and created everything. Uh, and we have the same Christ that empowered D.L. Moody uh, as He uh, to preach the gospel. And the same Christ Uh, um, that sent Billy Sunday across the America um, left and right and the same Christ uh, um, that sent every single one uh, of these missionaries into the field uh, um, to preach the gospel. Uh, We have the very same Christ. The very same Christ. And I tell you is that we have the same exact God if we'll realize that this morning. We have the same God. And for some reason, His name has slipped off my mind. But that sent that preacher over there to the Chinese people, the Mandarin-speaking people, and he preached the gospel to them. We have the same God. The same exact God. He didn't have a thing. Literally. And now to this exact day, 
His same mission board is still running that he created in the early 1900s. He recruited over 800 missionaries in the early 1900s. And I can't remember his, his, his name to save my life. But I got his book and I've read it. It's a great book. All I'm telling you this morning is we serve the same exact God. The same exact God that responded to Elijah's plea to send fire down from heaven is the same God we serve this morning. The same God that Moses raised his staff and the Red Sea parted. The same God that took a little lad's lunch, a little lad's light lunch and had lots of leftovers. Same God. To feed 5,000 people. The same exact God. Friend, the God we serve this morning hasn't gotten a day older. He hasn't gotten one day older and He hasn't become any less able. He hasn't become any less able. He hasn't forgotten any of the past uh, miracles that He did for the olden times. Uh, and God is no respecter of person uh, in any way to save, uh, to call into the ministry. And the longer we wait to go, the more people die lost. Quit questioning it. I'm pleading with you. I'm telling you this morning. This world uh, has 8.5 billion people in it. 8.5 billion people in 2023. And in 2022, there was 1.133.5 million babies born into this world. It's a lot of babies. Last year, there was 67.1 million deaths. I'm going to read you something off my phone for just a second. Twenty twenty-three. There is three hundred and thirty-two thousand six hundred and forty-eight deaths a day. 13,860 deaths per hour, 231 deaths per minute, and 3.85 deaths per second. Last year, this year in China alone, there have been 29,311 deaths per day in China. India, 25,649 deaths per day. Now, I'm telling you those places because those places do not have the gospel. You understand me, right? They've been took the gospel, but they don't have much of the gospel. They're filled with people who are uh, stoved up and, and worshiping other gods. And in the next second... Three of them and died and went to hell. In this few moments, one, two, three, four, five. Every three seconds, every second, 3.8 people die. So in those five seconds that I've just mentioned to you, there have been five times three, 15 people die. Isn't that solemn? Isn't that eye-opening? They need the gospel. They need the gospel now. They can't wait for you to raise support and get money and do all this. They need it now. I'm for, I'm for raising support, and y'all know that. But in the United States this year, 7,974 people died every day. 7,984 people died every single day. You say, well, this, this, this country is reeked with the gospel. No, it's not. No, it's not. You go out west and you'll drive for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles and never see one church. 
Excuse me. Let me change it. You go east in North Carolina, down near Hyde County, and you'll not find one church that preaches the gospel for hundreds of miles. True. We've been there. And I'm telling you this morning is that the fact is, is don't, don't you think, answer me, don't you think they need the gospel? Don't you think they need what you got? Man, I'm just telling you this morning is that literally people are dying every moment we speak. And as I said, God is no respecter of persons to call you. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, the Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He said he's not. And the empowering that God, that he gave Elijah was not because he favored Elijah more than he favors Christians today. But what Elisha had and Elijah had, you and I could have just as much. These 50 men had the same master as Elisha, and yet they did nothing with it. They did nothing with it. God help us to realize the power of God and what He can do if we'll let Him do it. We serve the same master. God help us. They had the same master as Elisha. Secondly, I want you to notice they, had the, they heard the same message as Elisha. They heard the same message. What does the Bible say in verse 3? And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou? Don't you know that your master's going to leave you? By the way, they did, they did say your master, thy master. But it's, it's amazing to me how some get it and some just don't get it. They, they hear the same message and yet it never registers to them. The world needs you to tell them about Jesus. The world needs you to tell them. And some can hear the exact same message. Uh, and it never gets through their brain. I've been pastoring for three and a half years now. And I've seen it time and time and time again. You can preach the same message over and over and over. What about the message of, the, what, what, what about the message of salvation? For example. The message of salvation. You can literally, I'm surprised how some lifelong Baptists uh, really do not know what salvation by grace, through, by grace through faith is. They do not know. They have absolutely no clue. And, and, and you know, it, it amazes me uh, how many people have never given a gospel presentation to anybody. Or led anybody to the Lord. How many of you, don't answer this, but how many of you have never once handed a gospel tract to anybody? Think about it. If I stop the message right now and ask you to explain salvation according to the scriptures, would you be even able to tell me? Think about it. The message of salvation is so easy and so clear. First, first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4 tells you what it is. Death, burial, and resurrection. Brother Larry Rang said that the door of salvation hung, hangs on three hinges. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's it. Amen, friend. He died so you could die to yourself. He lived so that you could raise to walk in newness of life. And He resurrected so that you could someday go to heaven and be with Him. It's very simple. It's very simple, but not many people know it. If somebody comes up to you tomorrow in the store, could you tell them about Jesus? Sure, you could tell them about Jesus. But could you tell them how to be saved? Message of salvation. What about the message of soul winning? We preach this here so often. We do. Yet everyone in here does not go out and give an effort to win others to the Lord. <laughs> the main purpose for Christ coming to this earth is to save sinners. We learn that. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, whom I am chief. That's what the Bible says. 
I mean, that's what the Bible, you, you, get what I'm, you get what I'm saying, right? Some get it and some never do. They heard the same message that Elisha heard. But they chose not to do anything with it. You have the message of salvation. You've heard the message of soul winning. And I'm telling you the truth. It's so hard. It's not hard at all, friend. You know what else? I mean, just, just, just giving you examples. What about the message of separation? The message of separation. I mean, the Baptists of the last half of, of the 20th century have been, have by large, by large, and especially the first part here of this century, this first part, they have by large rejected the message of separation. By large. I'm just telling you, I'm not, and everybody, when you think about separation, you're talking about, man, well, I should dress different. Yes, you should dress different. That's not separation. That's not all separation is. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. From among who? Well, he's talking to the church of Corinth. He's saying, you come out from those who are not part of your church. I'm not talking about building. Part of the body of Christ. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So he'll receive you if you touch not the unclean thing. But separation is something very important. When people see you, why do you think we preach against music? Right? Because if you got country music or rap music or whatever other godless music that you want to play at the red light, when somebody hears it, they're not going to say, well, I bet you they're Christian. Just don't work that way. Just don't. If you're dressing half naked out in the store, somebody's not going to say, man, I bet you that person's been born again. It's just not going to happen is what I'm trying to say. Let everything be as it were displaying the gospel. We wear skirts, why? Because at first, when somebody sees us, they say something along these lines. Man, I wonder if they're a Christian. It's a thought in a mind. It's the way this world has displayed it. It's true. It gives you more opportunities. Everybody don't think that. Some people think, oh, they're cults. But the first thing that people think, it opens up easy access, an easy opportunity to witness to somebody. I don't wear shorts. If you wear shorts, praise the Lord. That's fine. It's not, it's not you. It's me, okay? Understand me this morning. It's not, it's not, it's not you. It's me. I'm talking about me. I don't wear shorts. If I wore shorts... Would it mean anything? No, I don't wear shorts simply because if I sit down, I got big enough thighs that it's going to show them. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if man shows his thighs, it's nakedness. You say, well, thighs don't mean anything to me. I bet you they don't. I bet you they don't. But if you've got a girl showing her thighs, I promise you, men, it's going to be something different. Let's be real. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty of things. All I'm telling you this morning is that we ought to be separate. We ought to be separate. Well, I, I, you know, the, most, most parents raise their children like devils. It's true. It's true, man. And they have absolutely no godly standards in their home. They can wear whatever. They can have whatever on in their bedroom. They can listen to whatever music. They can get whatever piercing. They can get whatever tattoo they want. These are Baptist-believing people. I say Baptist because that's all I can talk about. Baptist people. I can name bunches. I'm, I'm talking about Baptists in a whole spectrum, okay? Not just independent Baptists, but there's some in there too. But also Southern Baptists and, and um, Free Will Baptists and, and so on and so on. Contemporary Baptists, you name them. It's not okay. We ought to stand against it. Because the Bible says to be separate. You say, well, why should I be separate, Well. Don't you want people to see Jesus in you? Your head didn't get saved. 
Your flesh did not get saved, therefore it's not going to look any different. It's not. So you have to do it in the things that do make you look different. Friend, I'm just telling you, you say, preacher, all I'm saying is the distinctions between male and female don't even matter anymore either. No, look up here and tell me you love me. I love you. You love me? I love everybody. I really do. But I just want everybody to know. And you know and you agree with it. There are distinctions between a male and a female ought to be distinctive. They ought to be distinctive. And I'm telling you the truth this morning. You say, preacher, I just don't want to be that hard. I want them to have their own choice. They're my children and that sort of stuff. I understand that. But I'm talking about distinctions according to Scripture, okay? Just because you wear pants doesn't mean you're going to hell. It never, ever, 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 ever will. Amen. Just because you wear shorts doesn't mean you're going to hell. It doesn't even mean that you're not right with God. Everybody with me? It doesn't even mean that you're not right with God. But I will tell you this very clearly. I'm going to say this, okay? Don't nobody be mad at me. But if it hugs your body, you are not right with God. I don't care if you're wearing a skirt. If it hugs your body, you are not right with God. You say, well, why, preacher? Because no godly woman nor man, godly woman nor man wants to gain attraction from somebody of the other sex through bodily pleasures. You know what that's called? That's seeking out lust from somebody else is what it is. Just being honest this morning, okay? I go all through scripture if you want to. I don't always get in all this stuff. But you say, preacher, I don't want to be that hard on my children. I want them to have their own choice. And I, I listen, I agree in some sort. But you didn't give them no choice when you use potty training them. You didn't give them no choice to brush their teeth every night. You don't give them choice to cook that food and eat that food that you, that you cooked. Why you give them a choice to come to church? Why you give them a choice to do this? Why you give them the choice to act and dress? You say, I ain't controlling my kids. You do in every other area. So what's the difference? You tell me. What's the difference? For I'm telling you this morning, I, I tell you the truth, dads need to put a footstand on. It's dad's job. And dad needs to put a foot down and set some biblical standards inside the home. My kids, my kids... They're not going to. They're not going to have a say. You understanding me, right? I'm not saying that I'm going to run them away because that's not what's going to happen. If it be the grace of God, I pray it never happens, but it happens to some of the best of preachers I ever know. It happens to, by the way, it happens on both spectrum of the line too. It happens if they don't have no standards, they still run away from mama and daddy. It happens when they have a hold of standards, they still run away from daddy. So that's not an excuse either. You can't say, well, preacher, you're just going to make them be rebellious. That is not the truth because you made them be the rebellious and you didn't have no standards in your home at all. I'm just telling you, that's not the problem. The problem is you can, you can love and have standards at the same time. Amen, friend. I'm telling you right now, Elisha could, I could go tell Elisha. Elisha, come here. Boy, come here. Come here. Come here. I could tell Elisha every day I could say something along these lines. Son, now I want you to take that ball and I want you to dunk it in that basketball goal out there. And he'd never be able to do it. He could get that ball. Man, he could grab that ball and he could just run as fast as he can. Run as fast as you can. Run, 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 run. Come on. Run, run as fast as he can. He could jump as best he could and he could never touch that goal. Never, ever. But he could do like this. I say, go get that ball, son. He goes, get the ball. And I pick him up and say, now put it in. Anybody ever done that to kids? You know, the problem is, is that it's, the problem isn't that we can't reach our standards. Because we can. But the problem is we're not getting on top of Jesus. We need to get on top of him. Our standards should never be lowered. 
They should always be raised. And the facts are is that the more standards you have, the more in godliness you're going to be living. The more in godliness you're going to be living. We must not try to. We can't achieve standards on our own flesh. He's okay. Don't worry about it. We can't achieve standards in our own flesh. It's going to take God this morning, friend. And you get on top of Him, you'll be in good shape because He can help you achieve it. This world needs more standards. This world needs more standards, man. This world has no standards at all. This world has no godly standards. There's nothing that this world stands on that's godly. We say we're still a nation under, under God. No, we ain't. No, we ain't. We're not a nation under God. Ain't no godly standards. And I'm telling you this morning, we need to have some separation in this world. And Dad needs to do his part. Amen. I need to do my part. It's not my wife's call on the next decision that we make in the house. And I'm not, I'm not a chauvinistic. I'm not limiting you women at all. At all. We both have our places. We do. And your place is not always cleaning either. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not putting you less than, I promise. But you are the weaker vessel, according to Scripture. First Peter tells us you're a weaker vessel. And so, being the weaker vessel, meaning, but I needed a helpmeet. So we work in this thing together. But dad, it's your job to be the spiritual leader in your home. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. The Bible says, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's context to the dads. That's not context to the ladies. But the ladies are going to do most of the raising in the house because the dads have to work. But I'm telling you, we ought to do some things. We need to make a difference in this universe. And you can. These 50 could have. Elisha made a tremendous, he made a tremendous difference. Right? Around that area, he made a difference that was unobtainable by anybody else. He made a difference. He ra- by the way, if it weren't for Elisha submitting to the, and getting in the spirit of Elijah, if it weren't for that, he would have never raised two ladies' kids from the dead. He would have never done it. But he did because he submitted. And 50 could have done it too. But they chose not to. Message of separation. Message of service. In the last three and a half years, I've preached over 40 messages on some kind of service. Godly service. I've preached on 40 messages on some kind of godly service. 40 of them. And, uh, and I, tell you, I tell you this, everybody didn't get it. Everybody didn't get Why? Why? Because, hear me, every born-again child of God has a place of service. There is, there's something you can do. If you're elderly and cannot get around well, then you can pray. And you can maybe go visit the sickly or whatever the situation is. It's not easy giving your Saturday evening to door knocking. It's not easy to give your Thursday evening after you work all day to the nursing home. Or Saturday morning to the nursing home. I don't get no days off, friend. It's not easy to do those things every single time but man I want to do more for the Lord uh, with my time because sinners uh, are dying and going to hell and beloved my whole point is these 50 men had every opportunity that Elisha had uh, yet they chose not to do anything with it and you and I have the same opportunity that Elisha had and that Elijah had uh, and for the Lord that we can do something for the Lord now I heard the same message. I'm going to be done after this one. But I want you to listen. They had access to the same mantle. Now you say, preacher, what in the world is a mantle? He's preaching with me. What in the world is a mantle? It speaks of power. 
That's what I'm after with this. It speaks of power and the, the power. The power is available for every man. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is available for every man, but it's not accessed by every man. Now the Bible says, this is the Great Commission, and we're given this, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power. After this the Holy Ghost has come upon you, uh, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both uh, in Jerusalem, uh, and to all Judea, and to uh, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, and so that covers everywhere. You know what that's covering? It's covering across the street. It's covering across the state. It's covering across the sea. And it's covering all the rest of the areas around that. You know who that was given to? The church. The church of Jerusalem. It was given to you. And we, we need the Holy Spirit of God. You know, you, you see what that power is for? Do you see what that power, you shall receive power after this Holy Ghost has come upon you? You see what it's for? It's to achieve the Great Commission. God gave us the power to do it, and yet we do not do it at all. I don't know if we, I don't, I, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but in the 1800, what, what, 1887 church? How many years is that? 130 some change? 136 years? And I don't know if one preacher's ever come out of this church. Besides me. And it had a lot to do with Bible college. Thank the Lord. I'm just telling you something, friend, is that we need the Holy Spirit to speak boldly uh, and to speak bravely and to become confident to be able to speak. uh, And it's a yielding thing that needs to be done. We need servants. We cannot only send money out of this church. That's That's not good enough. We need to send men and women for the cause of Jesus Christ out of this church. We need to send out. We need to send out. That is the purpose of the church. Paul never stayed anywhere over three years. He planted it and handed it to somebody else in the church. Right? It's according to Scripture. He planted it and handed it to somebody else. I believe that's right mission work. I believe that scriptural mission work. We got we support missionaries that do that very consistently. I mean, they 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 get them saved, get them trained, get them discipled, and then they put them in the place. Call them to preach. But the Keith Shoemaker, that's why he's able to plant so many churches over there in Burkina Faso. Because of that exact reason. But Chris Hewitt is one of the best uh, discipler people that you'll ever meet. He is. He's one of the best, hands down, that does biblical discipleship programs. It's true. There's people, that is the job, is to plant, hand it over, and then go. And plant another one. That's all Paul ever did. Paul planted the churches at Ephesus, handed it over to Timothy. Right? He planted the other church, it's slipping my mind right now, Galatia, I think, and handed it over to Titus. It's not Galatia, but I can't remember the name of the church. Handed it over to Titus. All I'm telling you is that it's been one occurring after the other, after the other, after the other. And it's very important to get that right, friend. They had every opportunity to have what Elisha had, but they did not have any of what Elisha had. And I'm telling you, you say, I can't, I can't speak, I can't do this, I can't do that. You need the Holy Spirit to be, give you that confidence. We have the availability. We have the same availability as Paul, as Peter, as Elijah, as John the Baptist, etc., etc., etc. And I, I, I'd say we even have much the more than they, simply because we have the Bible. Lord, help me. i got to get done. Listen to me for just a second. You and I have more opportunities to get the gospel out than any other error in this world. We've never had better technology. We've never had better travel. We've never had any of those things. Never. 
I, I'm forgetting the guy's name and I can't remember to save my life. But he's one of literally one of my best, one of my favorites. But he, his name's got a J in it, I'll tell you that much. But no, it was a missionary to China. But I'll tell you this. It took him five months to journey to China. Five months. And he did it. It seemed ample people could save. And by the way, he lost four of his eight children before the age of ten. And he still served the Lord. You know why he lost them? Because of the sickness in the foreign land. He come from England. All I'm telling you, friend, is that These 50 men could have had the same thing, yet they squandered it. And you can, become, you can become as much of a servant of God as you want to be. And you can, you can do as much as you want to do, literally. They could have performed the same miracles that Elisha did, but they missed it. Why did they not get it? It wasn't personal to them. Says thy master. He was their master too. And I hear people talking about God as though they do not know him as he's in the third person or something. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He said, I want to know him so much that I know his sufferings and I'm able to be conformable even into his death because I've, I've died the same death. And man, I want to know him more, don't you? I want, to, I want him to help this preacher. I want him to help the preacher down the road. But man, I want him to help me. Share the gospel and too many professing church members are living their lives like there's never been a God. They won't live by faith. They won't sacrifice their life, their time, nor their finances for the sake of the gospel for anything at all. It wasn't personal to them. Another thing is, it wasn't, the price wasn't paid by them. Every step they took was a costly step. Literally. Every step that Elijah and Elisha took was a, was a costly step. They took the step to Gil, Gilgal. Now, Gilgal is a step of decision. They had to make the decision. Elijah, Elisha had to make the decision. He was going with Elijah. It was a step of decision. Deci- Listen, decide. Can I just tell you that? Decide this morning that you're going to do something for God. If you win your neighbor to Christ or win your lost family members to Christ or create a bus route or give out 20 tracks a week or whatever it is, make sure that you decide what you're going to do for Him. D.L. Moody. I'm not going to even read it. I wanted to, but I'm not going to read it. D.L. Moody made a decision that he was going to witness to one man every day about Jesus Christ. He was going to ask one person every single day about Jesus. He was going to tell somebody or ask somebody, are you lost? Have you ever been saved? Once, every single day of his life after he got saved. And and actually, he says that he achieved it. He said, but there was many nights where he laid down in his bed and said, I forgot to tell somebody about Jesus. And he would put his clothes on, get up, go back out on the street, and find somebody to tell about Jesus. I wish I could read the story to you. There's so much that goes on. One day he forgot he was heading back home, and there was a man that he seen. He said, I haven't witnessed nobody at all. He stopped and he seen a man under a street light and he witnessed to him and he didn't see he, that man said, Who are you? He said, I he basically said, I'd punch you in the face right now if you weren't a preacher. 
had respect for preachers, man. But he witnessed to him and said he didn't see him for weeks and said the man come up to him after a few weeks and said, I got saved because of what you said to me that night. All I'm telling you, friend, is that you never know what your witness, what your voice actually is. How many times? Remember that guy down there at Brooklyn Baptist and take home? He was acting strange, man. He was acting weird. He was just saying stuff out of the way. I just blurted it out to him. I said, have you ever received Jesus as your Savior? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't respond to it. I witnessed to him all the way back. Gave him tracks. And I hadn't heard him from him since. But I'm telling you, friend, is that it's worth it. Don't you think so? Wouldn't it be worth it when you get to the other side and you're in heaven and you're up there and you meet the person that you told about Jesus? Amen. Wouldn't it be worth it, man? Gilgal was a step of decision, and you need to make a decision on what you're going to do for Jesus. Bethel was a step of devotion. He was devoted to the call of Elijah. He was following Elijah no matter what. He was going. And devoted people are needed in the work of the Lord today. Very bad. Jericho was a step of difficulty. It's getting to the end of his life. You can expect and handle difficulty. Difficulty is going to come. But the way in which you handle the difficult times that come your way will determine how well you do in your work for God. Then there is obviously Jordan. And Jordan is a, it's a, it's a step of departure. It wasn't death. It was a step of departure because he didn't die. But it also could be a step of death because he died from his fleshly ways. His selfish ways. And Elisha, Elijah knew what was next. Every single step was made by choice. Every one of them. And it's your choice as to whether you are going to be a happy Christian. It's your choice whether you live for him in victory and honor. It's your choice whether you live in defeat and shame. It's your choice whether you win people to Christ. It's your choice whether you earn crowns to be placed at the feet of the Savior or not. It's your choice as to what kind of servant you're going to be. It's your choice. God ain't going to force you anything. It's your choice. They were not also in the right position. Verse 7, 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood to view far off. They viewed from afar off. Can I just be honest with you for a second? I know I'm, I know I've been a little long this morning. I'm just giving you my heart. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I say this with every ounce of love. One service a month is not enough. Two services a month ain't enough. Three services a month ain't enough. Hear me clearly for just a moment. I love you. But I want everybody in here to know two services a week is good. It's good enough. If... There's not three services at your church. Two services a week, fine. If you don't, if your church doesn't have two serv- three services a week. If your church has four services a week, can I just tell you the God's honest truth? You ought to be there. If your church decides, if your pastor under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost decides to have six services a week, you ought to be there. I know it's crazy. But I'm just telling you the truth this morning. You ought to be there. What part of the church are you a member of? Everybody with me? If you're a member of something, you're, you're, you're planning to be there. You're a member of the body of Christ. You're going to be in heaven. If you're a member of the church, you ought to be here. Simple. Can I just tell you just the truth? I want to ask you, I want to ask you, which part of Mountain Valley Baptist Church did you join? Did you join the missions part? The tithing part? The men's meeting part? The ladies' meeting part? What about the evangelism part? What about the revival part? Or what about the nursing home ministry part? Did you jo- or, or did you just join just the pew part? Just where you come in, sit on the pew, and then leave the next service. Which part of the service did you join? Which part of Mountain Valley Baptist Church did you join? What about the cleaning part? Hmm? 
Brother Outdoor Clean. I know, I know it's stiff in there right now. But which part did you join? Which part did you join? I'm not talking to you non-members this morning. I love you to death. I want you to join. But, but I'm just telling you. Which part did you join? Now you think about it. If you join a baseball team, man, you're going to want to be there. And I promise you, if your coach, if you ain't there, I promise you, you ain't going to play. Guaranteed. You might in this wimpy little world. You might because everybody's got to be in the game. Am I right, everybody? Everybody gets a trophy. No, friend, if I'm your coach, you ain't playing if you don't come and participate. You ain't playing if you don't participate. What do you think we have in our bylaws that if you're not here this many services, right? If you're not here 75% of Sundays and 50% of Wednesday nights, you don't get to be a part when it comes to the offices of the church. Why do you think that's why? That's exactly why. Because if you're not here, then who's going? Then you're going to have to put the responsibility on somebody else when you're not here to take your spot. And that's too much stress on somebody else. I'm about to put an amen under here. I don't need an amen from you. I'm, t- I'm just telling you this morning that friend, we need to be a part. What's according to Scripture? We're members? We're a body? Right? We're a body of believers? You know what the Bible says about a body of believers? So much the more as you see the day approaching. Gathering yourselves together in assembling. Assembling yourselves together in the manner of so much more. So much more. So much more as you see the day approaching. Everybody with me this morning? I'm just telling you the truth. One service a week is not enough. Two services a week is not enough. You know what one service a week could get you? One service a week will get you on the inactive members list. It's the only thing it's going to get you. Two services a week. It won't get you on the inactive members list because you're more than 50%. I'm just being honest with you, okay? You would run your business this way, am I right? If your co-worker did, if your if your if your boss your boss, and then your worker did not show up like that, I promise you, you'd put them on the. You would probably fire them. Is that right? The church isn't a business, but the church ought to be run in an establishment right. It ought to be a straight line, friend. There ought to be no black and white parts. It ought to be straight. It ought to be in order. And all I'm telling you, friend, be be careful not to join half the church. I'm a, I, I promise you, I'm just telling you, these 50 men had no discernment of spiritual things. Verse 16 says they had no discernment. They kept asking, kept asking. They pleaded to go and seek him and that sort of stuff. And I tell you, friend, I tell you, God's man says, I told you so. Man, I, we've been plowing this morning. It matters not what we do here at the church, nor how we plan it out. It does not matter how we go about things. What matters is some people's going to have a negative attitude, whether you whether it doesn't matter. If you plan it out for three months, a revival meeting, when revival meeting comes, some people still going to have a negative attitude about it. Everybody with me? Too few today are willing to sell out and surrender to go all the way with the Lord. I need to tell you this morning, we need servants who will go. I'm like Paul. I thank God for enabling me and putting me in the ministry. To serve God is greater than anything. You could give me all the money in the world, and I promise you I would not trade it for serving God. I'd not do it. But I want you to know this morning that what you need is to realize that 50 men could have had what one person got. Yet the fact is, is that one person got what 50 could have had. 
You need to understand that this morning. Everybody in here has the ability to have every single thing that Elijah and Elisha had. We have the ability. We have the ability. Paul reached the whole world. The Bible says that he, he did. He reached the whole world with the gospel. The whole world learned that Elvis was dead in two days. Jesus has been dead and alive, raised forevermore for 2,000 plus years and still the whole world don't know it. You see what's important. All I'm telling you this morning is that I'd like you, if you would, to think about this and to say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Mackenzie, could you come up here please before you sit down? Please, and bring Elisha with you. It's okay. I, I want you to think about what would you do. You can have the same thing. Could you play on the piano, please? The fact is, friend, these 50 men could have had anything. They could have. But the choice is going to be yours. They made their own choice. But the choice is going to be yours this morning. You say, preacher, I, 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 think, I, think, I think the Lord's called me to do something. And I, I want to figure out what He wants me to do. Well, man, now's a better time than yesterday. Now's a better time than tomorrow, I promise you. The choice is yours. As, as souls fall into hell as we speak this morning, what choice are you going to make? Fifty got, if one got what fifty could have had, but fifty chose to just say no. Are you really going to tell people about Jesus? The altars are open, by the way. She's playing. You can stand to your feet, please. What are you going to do for Jesus this morning? What are you really going to do for him? What are you really going to do for him? If you need to pray, these altars are open.